It's noisy and bright, no one cares But I'm happy in my rose-colored corner No hurry to go anywhere People, they stop and they stare Discuss what really isn't there But I'm happy in my rose-colored corner I love that song. That song is groovy. <laughs> um, the bass line, I swear Rihanna stole in her song Consideration, which was the first song on Anti. Anti? I'm not going to argue with you because, frankly, you know a lot more about Rihanna than I do. <laughs> I really don't know a lot about Rihanna. I never really liked her and t except for Stay until this recent album, Anti. Actually, there are so many good songs, honestly, <laughs> on that Rihanna, Rihanna album. I just like the video for Bitch Better Have My Money. I don't know it. She kidnaps a rich white bitch and, <laughs> you know, that makes, sense, makes I guess. her yeah. feel bad about being how she is. Anyways, Anywho. <laughs> welcome back to the Light in the Attic podcast. I'm Hillary. I'm Jackie. And this month... We're going to be talking about some bad bitches and all these lovely ladies and wonderful women. Women only this episode. We kind of initially wanted to make an episode about sexism in the music industry. But when we actually sat down and had conversations with these awesome women, that stuff didn't even feel relevant. Um, because we ended up just having such interesting conversations and sexism in the industry is important, but I don't know. I just thought it was cool that it, that it became such a secondary issue because instead we were listening to, you know, two women nerding out about like synesthesia and like crazy methods of sound recording that I'd never heard of and... Yeah, I think everyone we interviewed for this episode had a really positive attitude and a lot of these women were able to overcome these issues that they faced and make out for the better with this amazing music and content and it's cool that they didn't dwell on that even yeah. though it is a real it's a real thing. Yeah, but we wanted to sort of open a conversation about that topic on the podcast. So um, we actually reached out to our audience on social media and asked people to submit just stories of their experiences as women in the music industry. We got some really interesting responses and we're going to share a few of them uh, during the episode just to like get the ball rolling on this conversation and, um, and keep it open so that we can come back to it in later episodes. Uh, first, we're going to talk to Lynn Castle, whose song opened the episode. That track was called Rose Colored Corner, and it was Lynn Castle along with the band Last Friday's Fire. And that song was actually featured in our Lee Hazelwood box set that came out a few years ago called There's a Dream I've Been Saving. Later on, we'll hear a conversation between contemporary electronic musician Caitlin Aurelia Smith and um, Suzanne Doucette, who is an authority on New Age music. So let's talk a little bit about Lynn Castle, who's one of our favorite people in the world. Lynn was born in Los Angeles. She grew up in the Valley, just like Jackie. <laughs> That's true. And uh, Lynn was one of the first lady barbers. In L.A.? Yeah, because traditionally barbers were male. True. Men cutting men's hair. <laughs> uh, but she was bored cutting women's hair, I think. So she was like, I'm going to cut dude's hair. And she got really, really good at it. And Ended she... up cutting the hair of very famous people. Right. Uh, Sonny Bono. One of the monkeys. Lee Hazelwood. She worked at a salon on Sunset Boulevard. She started playing piano at a really early age and had sort of like a preternatural talent for it. So when Lynn was a teenager, she wrote a song that the Spinners bought and released. And that was her first um, entrance into the music world. And it was through that that she wound up meeting Lee Hazelwood, 
And um, I guess the rest is history, but she ended up meeting a lot of crazy characters in the music industry. Yeah, Lynn was also painfully shy while she was growing up, although she loved writing and singing songs. She would do it in her closet after her young kids had gone to bed. She had two kids by the time she was 22, which kind of hampered her her dreams for really blockbuster stardom because she had a family to take care of, of course. Right, so she she cut hair to make ends meet. And ended up recording with Lee Hazelwood and Jack Nietzsche, which is pretty amazing. Yeah, and I think it was it was Jack and Lee who were like, "Um, you're amazing and you need we need to like record these songs." And it's funny because to this day she still doesn't like her voice which and is she amazing. Her doesn't voice. think she can play guitar very well. And her voice is incredible. Her vo- voice is what draws you in. It's so so unique. It's dark. And kind of mysterious. We always talk about having a Nico-esque sort of tone to it. Mm -hmm. And she only recorded two tracks. I think we mentioned earlier two tracks with the band Last Friday's Fire. And then the rest of the recordings on this album have never been released before. And they are very stripped down demo style, just Lynn, acoustic guitar, and a microphone. And it's really beautiful. Right, and she recorded those with um, Jack Nietzsche Mm in 1966. Yeah. And if you're not familiar with Jack Nietzsche, I'm sure a lot of you are, he was a really prolific arranger, composer, producer, and he helped make music magic for, for everyone, from Ike and Tina Turner to Leon Russell and the Wrecking Crew, to the Rolling Stones, to Neil Young. He did the soundtrack for an amazing movie I just saw called Hardcore from the 70s. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. (laughs) Paul Schrader. Um, But Lynn, we had the pleasure of recently going to Lynn's house in Glendale and recording an interview with her. And it was one of the most magical experiences of my life. It was. I mean, we <laughs> we just went over there <laughs> on a work day to record an interview for like half an hour, but it turned into this whole beautiful magical day. She had Lynn had made a whole meal for us and we ate in her backyard under an umbrella and she Those showed us around wraps. her mm, delicious so lettuce wraps <laughs> with like a it was like a curry um what was salmon it? Salad? Salmon <laughs> so it was like really that. good <laughs> and like uh, uh, roasted, water. roasted sweet potatoes <laughs> which are like my favorite thing and she had these like healthy cookies and um this magic coffee that she makes with um coconut, coconut milk, milk and, and maple, maple syrup, syrup. <laughs> she knows what's up lynn is enlightened for sure yeah <laughs> she also has this really interesting fixation with fairy tales and both the villains and the heroes, mm-hmm. which I find really interesting. She loves the wolf from Little Red Riding Hood. She called him, she had a statue of the wolf and she called him her boyfriend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but she also loves like Cinderella. Snow yeah, White. she said, um, and it says in our liner notes that she's like always, um, felt an affinity for Disney princesses because they go through so much shit, but they always stay positive and kind and good. I, I respect her so much. And another thing I really respect about her is that she will tell you this herself. She's over 70 years old and she has taught herself to use pro tools, which I can't do. I can't either. <laughs> She uses, she taught herself Pro Tools. She's been composing music right, like right now, she's still composing music, writing songs. She's the youngest, coolest seven year old person I've ever met. We love you, Lynn. If you're listening, (laughs) you're our queen. And I just wanted to share this quote from the liner notes. When I was young, making music in the 60s, I had this strange thought that one day I would be this old woman and young people would come find me and tell me that my music meant something to them. And here we are. And here we are. It means something to us and to a lot of other people, too. Here's Lynn. 
well here am I Lonesome lookout Gazing at the lonely out there Just one me and somewhere you A heart divided now too Head so full of emptiness Thinking of the future past Eyes now tearing too bright springtime Forever beginning now Asking somebody who they are <laughs> Oh big, my god <laughs> Exactly Well the fact that you're here, you know me as Lynn Castle. Yes. I'm Madeline. I was born Madeline. Von Ritz, heaven sent. I was married. My husband died, but it was Collins. But there's a lot of there was a lot of Lynn Collins and everything, and I'm just that you know. Hey, Madeline Von Ritz, why not? And you can have fun writing it, you know. Okay, go ahead. What? <laughs> What now? You had two kids by the time you were 22. Did being a single mother affect your music career? And how? Oh, my God. Okay. I never really pushed myself, so I'm not a salesperson on behalf of myself. But I knew my whole life that I've I've loved movies and music and dance, whatever. But yes, because I had to take care of them. Right. Yeah. yeah, and pay the rent. And I was like, that was crazy, because I had no tools. Everything learned right on the street, however best I could. Yeah. Do you think that you would have pursued music as a career more um, directly? Yeah, <laughs> if, if you didn't have you know little mouths to feed? I'd like to think that I would have. Yeah. <clears throat> I li- I'd like to think that because I still really wrote. I was just so closed about it. I right. just thought I, I didn't think I was really any good. So Really? No. God. Like, really? No. no. You didn't think deep down you were kind of amazing? No, but. I just, no, <laughs> no. Uh, no, I never, never. But for some reason, sometimes I really, I like, I, li- I felt that I could kind of write true from my heart. So I loved that. I had, I had, a, I, it was a place for my heart to go. Hmm. Yeah, cool. that was it. Cool. Um, <clears throat> Lee Hazelwood and Jack Nietzsche were supporters of yours. What, if anything, do you think that you learned from them about music or the music industry? I still almost know nothing about the music <laughs> industry. I know Jack was very successful, but he was a very austere type himself you know yeah you know he I mean in fact his but his thing he had this Indian passion so everything in pirate passion and Hmm. and all that and I met him when really young through with Phil Spector Mm -hmm. that's how I met him oh that young yeah because I met Phil when I was in high uh High school, right? Yeah, high yeah. school. High school sweethearts? Well, no, because we were. Uh, oh, I was in the valley and he was in the hill. I don't know. I don't know how that even happened. <laughs> I do really mean? don't. How you ended up dating him? How I? How he ended up? How did he? How How did he make it out to the valley to, to find me? Well, didn't he have a blue Corvette? <laughs> not then. Not, not at yet. that point. <laughs> not at that point. He hadn't quite hit success. He was writings. He was really writing to know him is to love him. Oh my God! And I love he used that to song. sneak in my the window. <sighs> because I was just a teenager, but I was I always was I always wanted to be over the hill and fuck now I am. Well, yeah. No, no, listen, no, only kidding. Only kidding. <laughs> whatever, whatever. Okay, okay. So I was so, a valley girl too and I always thought but the other I really side of town wasn't. was cooler. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, but I never had that. Right. I always always had like a more of an even though I was born in the East Coast and never really lived there, I just think I t- kind of have that East Coast. Well, I don't know, but that's what people say about me. Hmm. But I have an East Coast kind of country thing going at the same time. Yeah. And Lee Hazelwood was funny, funny, <laughs> and funny. And he actually gave me my first guitar. 
Oh, yeah. A little rosewood Martin. Right. Do you still have it? Uh, no. The guy I was married to asked to borrow it. <sighs> and I'm always saying, yeah, yeah, sure, yeah, uh -huh. sure, yeah, sure. <laughs> and he left it in the rain. He took it and left it in the rain. No. Yeah. <gasps> yeah, it was really sad. A beautiful little rosewood guitar. Mm, cool. I loved it. Did you encounter or witness uh, sexism in the music industry back when you were hanging with Lee and Jack? I never even thought of that word. <laughs> I had a feeling that you would say that for some reason. No friggin' way. Seriously, I miss it the way guys used to be. They don't even know how to be anymore. What I'm not mean? saying that you got to get pinched on the ass or something, but you know what I mean? Flirting is cool. It's fun. It's neat. You know? <laughs> and hey, baby, you know, you know, you know, I liked the way it was. <laughs> I liked it better. There's so many how, how does any There's so many friggin' rules and do nots and <laughs> don't do this and I'm going to sue you. You know? Yeah. I think if you feel okay about yourself and I, and girls could feel more playful. I'm just not that way. I don't think in those terms. Hmm. And I'm sure maybe there is or there wouldn't be such a big deal, you know? Yeah. I do believe in equal pay, equal job, equal pay. I believe in things that are right. Yeah. More than I look at it as a sexist thing. Hmm. Do you have any advice for young musicians? If your heart, if your spirit, pay no attention to anything, just keep doing it as best as you possibly can. Do not lose your heart on some road where you get old really young, you start getting sick all over the place, you're a victim of suppression, and why? Because you couldn't or didn't ever hear or get your calling. And so, and don't ever compare yourself to anybody or anything. If you're writing for somebody or doing something like that, well, then you got to think in more of those terms. Oh, shit, this mm -hmm. would sound really good if this. I only figure, is it good enough that I can make a song out of it? Mm -hmm. And if someone else likes it, that makes me really feel really nice. And I thank the fact that as crazy as all, my life has been, is that, is that I understand one thing clearly. And that I'm, without getting anything, I'm, I know that whether I understand it or not, I've been gifted. Mm -hmm. And I don't, and I, and that can mean anything to anyone. They say gifted, like, what are you kidding, the 99 cent store? No, seriously, whatever, you know. But I felt, I've always felt like, because of my fantasy life and having Uncle Remus and the Blue Fairy, and Snow White, and Jiminy Cricket, <laughs> and the Big Bad Wolf, who never really hurt anybody. Slurp, slurp, slurp. Um, <laughs> I was able to stay good through hard times. And the Golden Rule, that's, that's my religion, the Golden Rule. How do you feel about this record release of yours? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's like, what? Never know, never think you know anything. That's what I think about it. To have this coming around at this point, at this time, these songs, I mean, I couldn't play guitar. You can hear. I mean, and I still struggle. But, but you know, I could feel, I could hear the songs. And so they just said... You know, just just sit there and just play your songs. So I just, you know, there we go, there we go. So I, I'll tell you one thing. Meeting the people at Light in the Attic is, A, what really excites me because it's them being there and with Lee and all that that's brought it around to my corner for whatever it is. We were going to ask you, what are you up to these days? What are you working on now? I'm the slowest person. I'm trying to get my friggin' songs recorded whatever way I can here in this little living room at Hard Island. I don't know anything beyond that except to try and get better every time. And Moon taught me a few things. Well, shit, he taught me a lot, mainly because I could never keep rhythm very good. Not that I don't have it, but I get lost in all the spaces. Mm -hmm. So it's really hard. 
And so he had to bring a basket of apples over and cut them up and everything in pieces for me to understand three-quarter, one-sixteenth, one thing. And I sit there, you'd think that you're asking me to like do like an atomic equation. <laughs> and it's, you know what I mean? Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's unreal. Yeah. So I'm just, I'm over there hoping Zelda, that is my old computer, <laughs> stays while I'm trying to finish these songs, you know, and then we'll see if anything happens. We'll see what happens from there, you know. We'll keep our fingers crossed for you. Yeah. Yeah. Excited to hear it. Well, we'll see if you are or not. <laughs> <laughs> Just want to say thank you for talking to us. Okay, but I'm going to say one thing. Yeah. Sure. When I did hair up at Criterion Music, and I told Matt and I told Hunter, more than anything, because I don't know, I would love to be a benefit for them. Because it's already a benefit for me. I'm hoping that I am some surprise in the fact that they're so sweet, and it reminds me of the best of the 60s when I go up there. Aww. The very best of the 60s and when the 70s were still good and they hadn't gotten all. I mean, you are 100% a benefit for all of us at Light in the Attic because this is, I, I know personally, and I think for most of us, this is our favorite type of release and project when it's something that is so good and relatively unknown that people are just like, how did this fall through the cracks? You know, and then it becomes this new part of the canon. <laughs> you know, I'm just saying, you know, I mean, see, that's what I mean. You just don't know anything. You don't know. I didn't. I never knew. The only thing I will say is because I have inspirations and I was trying so hard through the years to get my songs out and I'd count the pennies in between haircuts and try to do everything and use my last friggin' things and try and mail out my tapes and I couldn't understand how come they these are good yeah I mean you don't you don't have to like my voice because that is certainly a questionable <laughs> deal you it's know like what I mean but I, you know whatever <laughs> and we'll see even if you like what I'm up to you know yeah you know but but I even I know this is crazy but I know in my heart even if people just can't get into it, I know that the gift in the song is good. Maybe they need to be produced differently. Maybe there's too much of this and not enough of that. Mm -hmm. But when you're doing most of it yourself, you just do the best you can. Not that I haven't played with some good players, mm -hmm. but it's been on the fly, mm -hmm. really. Okay. Thank you for having us over thank you for talking to us it was really wonderful to hear your story and we look forward to sharing it with everyone well thank you i hope that uh you know you don't have to give them dexamel or something to keep them awake <laughs> <laughs> Diamond sundrops fall Kaleidoscoping patterns on the floor Of quiet forest Silver tinsel brook Exploding crystal bubbles on the dreams Of my tomorrow Then take me to the palace, to the realm of gold October. What time is only now, forever or tomorrow? All right, so before we go on, we're going to try something new. We wanted to crowdsource stories from you, our listeners, about women in the music industry. And as we mentioned at the beginning of the show, the music industry and particularly the vinyl world are very male-dominated and often aren't the friendliest spaces for women. 
So we asked females that worked at record labels, record shops, that were performers, producers, etc., or just people who love music, are record collectors, DJs, and that kind of thing. We asked for those people to please write us with their experiences and that we would share some of them on the show. So one of the first responses we got was from a woman named Robin W., and her message says, Hey, Lita, huge fan. Quick anecdote out of many. I went to school for audio engineering. I dreamt of becoming a female producer and deeply understanding the gear, signal flow, console repair, and the physics of sound. Not only in college classes, but in internships with male-saturated studio after studio, a popular mnemonic device for resistor color codes, B-R-O-Y-G-B-V-G-W, was recited to me. Bad boys rape our young girls, but Violet gives willingly. So, just some disturbing evidence of a male-dominated industry. It's still taught to students and interns to this day. Dang. (laughs) That is fucked up. (laughs) So gross. I don't even know where to go with that. I can't believe that that is commonplace in sound engineering teachings yeah so that that's a very uh that's a very concrete example of ways that sexism appears in the music industry uh i have an email from andrea b um with just a few quick little um mm. (laughs) instances (laughs) Uh, okay, Andrea said, just saw your Insta call out. Great idea. I'm a record collector slash DJ based in Sydney, Australia. Here's a couple of sexism examples from my travels. Record collecting. Record shop in Edinburgh. I ask where the 45s are. Older man says, quote, you know you need a record player to play these. Nice. Good one. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I've definitely had some stuff like that. Yeah. It's it's really easy to fe- to feel unwelcome in like record shops as a chick. Mm-hmm. Um, when I am in a record shop or at record fairs with males, I have had a lot of "Oh, you must be so patient" comments. They think I am waiting for the males to hurry up and finish shopping for vinyl, and that I'm idly going through the racks to kill time. That really grinds my gears. <laughs> <laughs> that is so annoying. Yeah. Um, DJing. I DJ with my husband. Invariably, I get a lot of, oh, are you helping out comments? Or can I speak to the DJ? Uh, and she said, I have more too, but these are just off the top of my head. And I know like female DJ friends of mine have said the the same thing, like Chloe. Or they feel like they have to look hot to be respected or to get attention as female DJs. They have to dress up all fancy and aren't a lot of times they aren't recognized for their abilities they're just recognized for their aesthetic yeah which is very common throughout many occupations yeah and even in our office sometimes with people that come in and out of the office I feel oh yeah it's so common for you know a guy to come into the office um and just kind of look around for a guy Mm-hmm. Or assume man. that we're secretaries or something. Yeah. <sighs> uh, I'm sure you ladies can commiserate. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we had a few other responses that were also really good, but some of them are a little bit too lengthy to read on air. So we will post them anonymously on the blog post that goes along with this episode. Yeah. So check out more online. And um, if you guys, guys or girls, want to share stories um like these please send them to podcast at light in the attic.net <clears throat> well i woke up one cold gray morning well i woke up one cold gray morning looked outside and it was pouring but it's okay now because i'm happy Don't need blue skies and lofty clouds Don't need the people hanging round It's okay now Cause I'm happy in my loneliness So solitude A heart at rest I'm happy 
Next up, we have Caitlin Aurelia-Smith interviewing Suzanne Doucette. Uh, so Caitlin Aurelia-Smith is not a light in the attic artist for now. She's a friend of the attic. She's a friend of the attic. Um, I think this is maybe the first time that we've had someone on the podcast who's not directly related to a release. Ira. Ira Kaplan. Well, yeah, but he was interviewing the Shacks. Uh, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Um, Caitlin is an electronic musician from Orcas Island, but she's based here in Los Angeles now. And um, she works, I think, primarily with synthesizers. And her synth of choice is a bukla, which I hadn't heard of until I um, heard about Caitlin. And um, buklas are these crazy... You should look it up if you haven't ever yeah, seen one. Yeah, Google image that. It's nuts. It's just like knobs and wires and more knobs and she's just like this wizard um and makes these incredible compositions that are really beautiful and some of them have really cool um animations with them on youtube that are like very entrancing so it made perfect sense that we would pair someone like caitlin up with someone like suzanne Doucette, who as we mentioned was featured on our microcosm box set Suzanne began her career as a pop star, of all things, in Germany. Very, very upbeat, had a variety show that she hosted, and then somewhere along the line decided that she was done with pop music and went into New Age, which is crazy, and she is incredibly successful at it. Yeah, she was kind of like a, a pioneer of the genre, um, and she founded the world's first specialized New Age music retail outlet. What um, was it? What was it called? It was called Only New Age Music. Genius. Uh, <laughs> and it was in West Hollywood. Uh, she founded it in 1987. Suzanne uh, has been working in the New Age music world for decades now, and um, she's worked a lot of different roles within the music industry. She's done A&R, she's been a producer, she's been a sound designer, uh, she's a composer, she owns her own label. She's a renaissance woman. Yeah, she's a badass and like incredibly knowledgeable. Um, and now she does, uh, I believe, like marketing consulting for uh, new age artists and record labels. We set up a phone interview and recorded the magical conversation between Suzanne and Caitlin while Jackie and I huddled in the archive closet listening to the sparks fly. Yeah. It was one of those moments where I'm like, my job is cool because <laughs> I was sitting in a closet with Hillary at work just listening to Caitlin and Suzanne nerd out about really interesting stuff and I was just sitting there like writing down everything they said on my laptop to be like look this up later look this up later they they really were kindred spirits I mean they've never met before and they just hit it off immediately you could tell just over the phone that they really had a connection yeah it was really cool listening they, to they it had some like crazy similarities and um, similar approaches to music making here's their chat Is that Suzanne? Yeah. Hi, nice to meet you. Um, meet you over the phone. And I love your yeah. music so much. I listen to it all the time. I practice yoga to your music a lot. Great. Oh, cool. Great. I'm so happy you do. And I, I actually heard some of your tracks, too, and uh, read a little bit about you. And I, I thought we have a lot, of, a lot in common. Because yeah. I... Yeah, I see music too, and I I I hear I hear I'm, I can hear music in. I mean, I always see images when I hear yeah. music. Yeah, oh, that's it, amazing. That's the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, that that's so amazing thing. to hear because I don't know if you've had this experience, but I my whole life I always thought that's just how people experience music, and yeah. and it was so yeah. it was so funny to find out that like that people don't the images yeah so that's that's really yeah. wonderful to hear that 
and and I realized, oh, I see all these instruments and and all the sounds in in a space with colors and forms and all of that, and and they don't. Yeah, yeah. Which don't you feel like that's such a amazing tool because it's um at least for myself I feel like you know once I hear a sound it's like oh, okay I know which which like color family this is in so it's like it's like I know which sounds are going to sound complementary to this or what are going to be a part right. of that world yeah right yeah. right yeah yeah very interesting and also like in uh, when I when I started doing meditation music and new age music um then i realized how important it is to use that also as a tool for um you know to to make sure that the music is is relaxing or healing or you know um i i would actually i would actually hear when i hear music um played on the radio or you know wherever i hear it i can hear pretty much what the mind what the mindset is of the person who recorded it or the musician who plays the instrument so then when i right. started doing new age music i would kind of you know i would hear <laughs> i would hear in in the music i would see the images of the person who did it so i thought yeah kind of, you know, um, make sure when you record that that the images you have in your mind are uh, uh, in alignment with what you want to express. Yeah, that is so important. I completely agree with you. Yeah. Oh, gosh, I have so many questions for you. I'm really fascinated about what was that moment for you um, where you decided or not not decided, but I guess you realize the the power and the weight of of the music you were making and, and how it can affect someone's life, you know, just like how you were talking about how you can hear the mental space that that individual yeah. was in when they were making it. I'm really curious, like what was the moment for you where you realized like I need to take responsibility for this and make music that's gonna make people feel good. My father was a psychologist, and he was a Jungian. He studied with Carl Gustav Jung, and he was a very, very amazing person in terms of his insights and and his projects and and all of that. So one of his projects in the late 60s was that he started investigating superlearning. And superlearning had to do with um, people being in a very relaxed state and bringing them into an alpha wave state uh, via music. And uh, so they used music, classical music, all kinds of music, and they realized that certain types of music induce that very relaxing state of um, producing alpha waves in the brain. And so my father, who had no idea about music, came to me and said, why don't you do some research on this? You're the musician in the family. Um, I really need to know why and how this works. So I started going to the university library and, you know, got books. And and, and so I stumbled into this incredible field of Pythagorean harmonics and um, what music and sound really is in, in, in terms of uh, reality, what the reality of music is. And I was just, um, I was just in awe. That kind of changed my life. So my first um, kind of experimental uh, adventure was this uh, triple album I did with my sister in 1970, which was called Slip Slip Out Meditation. Um, And that was really like a three months uh, completely um, breaking away from any traditional form of, of music, of musical expression, and just taking... Um, any sounds and and record them and play out of really out of the moment and then later just edit it all uh, together like a movie you know that was like uh, an amazing joy to do that took us like so and then 
I thought, hey, so many people wanted copies. Like they would put, I never intended to make an album. You see, that was just the joy of, of, of creating what we created. And then people would say, how oh, can you make me a copy of this, you know? And I said, oh, my God, now 30 people want copies, you know, maybe we should go to a record label. <laughs> yeah. And they can make the copies, you know. Yeah. Yeah, that's how it happened. And and it was like the most amazing deal I ever made. We went up there to Phonogram in Hamburg, which was one of the biggest companies in Germany. And uh, within three hours, we had a signed contract. So it just became clear to me one day that when I was listening to other people's music, that I would all of a sudden understand because I understood how my own thoughts and my own feelings were actually transmitted by my music because people would tell me they had this, they saw the same images I saw when I created it. But it was all of a sudden like, oh, oh yes, of course. If you listen to, <clears throat> you know, the, the, the new age musicians that are truly there with their heart and their mind, then you will get those images that they transmit through the music and then yeah. the effect and it will uh so it's it's not just the instrument and it's not just the sound but it is also the intention and and the yeah the the transmission that's why you have the title of the of the cassette transmission yeah wow that is the best definition i've ever heard of new age music thank you I'm so curious about all the different roles that you've played in in your life because you've you've achieved so much and you've started so many projects and um and I'm curious the way that those came about if you intentionally sought them out or if they just naturally um, came about, you know, from you being an A&R person to a sound designer to um, a pop yeah. singer to a producer? Yeah. I, I don't think there's anybody really there who can uh, do all this because I think it's just happening. And for a long time, I thought that I was a person who was doing these things. And then I realized that, um, no, it's just happening. It just all happened. and. Uh, I'm I'm aware of what is happening. So, yeah, you, you could say from a from a relative point of view, you could say yes, that I I was doing a lot of things and and different uh, things. I was probably very lucky that I was um, kind of not bound by condition by conditions. I was always kind of a rebellious um, uh, soul that just uh, you know had to had to go and 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 be creative and express yeah. uh certain things but i think it's just you know it just manifested through me so um that's how i see it today it's not like yeah. me this person who did all these things i don't think there is somebody doing it not really i think that's a concept that comes afterwards you know, you you do something spontaneously, and then later you say, "Oh, I did this." <laughs> you know, so that's that's really an afterthought, this personal eye thing. Are you still researching in music? Oh yeah, I mean, I I'm researching every day. You know, it's like um, it never ends. You 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 mm -hmm. you always uh, come across uh, new new uh, insights and. You know, it just never, it never stopped. I guess. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm listening to a lot of music, and uh, I'm also working with other artists. Um, I I I help other artists to release their CDs, and you know, do all the things they need to do. So that's kind of a coaching, teaching job I do. And so I'm also producing um, yearly compilations of about 40 artists per compilation, which is an MP3 compilation of new age musicians from all over the world. And I'm, I yeah. just did, uh, finished up compilation number nine. So that allows me to listen to a lot of 
uh, new music and and uh, see what's happening, you know? Yeah. But, you know, I'm, I'm kind of really exploring um, this, this uh, let's put it this way. I said many, many years ago that uh, New Age music is actually a question of consciousness. So I, I wouldn't even limit it to what now is determined the genre of New Age. You know, I would say somebody like George Harrison at, at at the time, was a New Age artist. Uh, yeah. Donovan. Donovan with Atlantis. You know, I mean, that, that was clear to me that was that was a New Age artist. So I don't think it's, it's confined to certain, uh, you know, uh, musical styles, but it's more like the, the consciousness that comes through the music from certain artists. So to me, Debussy was a New Age composer. Mozart was a yeah. New Age composer. Bach, Bach was a New Age composer. When I listen to Bach or Mozart or Debussy, you know, it's like this dimension is happening. And I know that a conscious person was creating this music, you know, even if it's yeah. played now by, you know, the music is so strong that the musicians who play it kind of uh, melt into that. Yeah, and I, I had yeah. this uh, uh, experience in Sintorn. I went to Sintorn for three months in 1982, and that's what they do. You know, you have even when you do vacuum cleaning, your vacuum cleaner has a name. Like you name your car. You know, if if you you know if you want to know what's yeah. wrong with the car, you ask. Anyway, so in that way, you can you can really. Um, you know, instead of thinking of machinery or technology as something dead and, uh, you know, kind of uh, <laughs> like uh, just an object, you know, no, it's all consciousness. It's all, it's all awareness. If you allow it to be, then you Yeah. Can. That's actually what got me into um, working with analog synthesizers was falling in love with the idea that I'm sculpting electricity and like, and felt that these synthesizers had a breath and, and, and that's something that I feel um, lacks whenever I'm playing on a digital synthesizer um, or on a software synthesizer. And so I'll usually have to figure out a way to add breath to it and add that sense of live electricity. Wow. Well, this is all incredibly interesting and um, I'm so grateful that you took the time to to chat with me. Thank you for this wonderful opportunity and uh, and yeah. Okay. Bye. Yeah. Thank you so much to Lynn Castle. Her album Rose Colored Corner is available now for pre-order at lightintheattic.net and will be in stores June 9th. Thank you also to Caitlin Aurelia Smith and Suzanne Doucette. Um, the song you just heard is Suzanne Doucette's track Shiva's Dance, which is on our uh, compilation The Microcosm and is also up on the Light in the Attic YouTube. Um, thanks, as always, to our wonderful editor, Michelle Lands. We love you, Michelle. <laughs> if you're interested in learning more about women in the music industry and their experiences with sexism and also men's perspective on this, I would highly recommend checking out this website called Pink Noise. It's really great. We'll link to it in our blog, and it has interviews with a lot of really fantastic people kind of centered around feminism and the music industry. 
Yeah, and as we said earlier, um, if you want to share any of your personal experiences with us, email us at podcast at lightintheattic.net or reach out on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. Um, and then also, we wanted to mention that we're working on a new episode of the podcast that's going to be a behind-the-scenes episode. Um, so if you have any questions, any burning questions for Light in the Attic, um, about, you know, anything about how a record comes to be from idea to final product, be it about sound engineering or design or A&R, anything, email podcast at lightintheattic.net um, and it'll help us to shape that podcast and um, hopefully we'll get your question answered. That's all we have for you today. Thank you for listening to the Light in the Attic podcast. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. Tune in next time. <laughs> Bye. Bye. There was an in love lady barber who wanted what she could not have. She climbed up the mountains too high. She fell over and over again. She wanted to capture the sunshine To touch each brand new drop of rain To travel the length of a rainbow And never come back again She wanted to lie in straw meadows To feel capital love everywhere Yet way, way down deep Deep inside her She wondered If she really cared Like the one-eyed weeping willow Who only saw half what was there She fled from reality's real things To a fantasy world disappeared Again.